Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Back here on Inside Black and Gold, we're still hanging out with Mike Petralia. Make sure to check him out at Trags on Twitter. And I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. And, you know, this Saints offense has been kind of hit or miss this season. You know, last week, obviously, it was a ground and pound offense with Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara. They combined for about 300 yards. And I'm just curious, you know, after watching five games of this Bengals defense, what have teams done well? against them in in a perfect world for the saints for them to to make it hurt on the bengals defense in this game what would they want to attack well that's a a great question i would say underneath pass uh attack them underneath with the passing game they you know most teams um do have a weakness when you're very good on the corners and then safeties uh play deep uh they have the ability to certainly throw underneath bengals for the most part, have defended mobile quarterbacks well, though the RPO did give them some issues last week on the final drive of the game where Lamar Jackson uh, was torching them with outside runs. So if you have a fast quarterback who can get to the edge and, and you have good blockers who can seal the edge against the Bengals, there are gaps there to be had. Uh, the Bengals have given up some explosive runs this year. But for the most part, uh, this is a very sound Bengals defense. And I don't think you're going to beat them deep. I just the, the corners are so fundamentally sound. I guess you could say you could attack Eli Apple. He has given up big <laughs> plays before. And he's uh, been called for 
uh, a defensive holding and a pa defensive pass interference or two this year, they'd probably go after Eli Apple would be my guess. Uh, but the rest of the secondary is rock solid. It's deep. It's versatile. Uh, so, you know, they're, the Saints are going to have to pick and choose. But maybe, you know, try to confuse the Bengals with different looks, different schemes, show them things offensively they have not seen on film. One of the things, you know, we talk about Eli Apple and definitely the Houdat Nation here, no love lost for him or his mom even. Uh, but I was just curious, what is the Bengals fan base feeling about his play since it's so up and down? Boy, um, mostly good. He's been very reliable. He's probably had uh, his most consistent start to a season here in his second year in Cincinnati. Uh, and he hasn't given up a lot of plays. And that's really on this defense what you're looking for. You make you want to make sure that, you know, if you do get called for a defensive pass interference once in a while, that's going to happen. It's National Football League. Most fans live with that. And I would say for the most part, fans have been very happy with him. And he'll always have a fond place in the hearts of Bengal fans for what he did uh, at halftime of the Chiefs game last year in the AFC Championship, keeping Tyreek Hill out of the end zone. He doesn't make that tackle. They lose the game. There's no question about that. And so he's lived on that goodwill for quite a while. He did not have a great Super Bowl. Right. But again, fans were willing to write that off because the offense didn't have a great game as well. Eli's an interesting character, and I, I've known about Eli for a long time. He was a, an Ohio State guy, which so it doesn't exactly confuse anyone why he ended up with the Saints. But I grew up watching the Giants, so I got to see him earlier in his career. And then he came down here and hung out with us with the Saints for a while. And, you know, it's, it is interesting to me to see how guys just kind of float around the league, uh, especially guys that kind of torch the bridges behind them everywhere they go. Yeah. Um, and but I will tell you that I think, you know, Eli is on a prove it one year, 3.275 million dollar deal here. And, you know, there isn't there wasn't a lot of risk in signing him to bring him back to be part of a secondary. He knows well and they know him. And I think that was a big part of why the Bengals were so comfortable uh, with him in the secondary opposite Cheeto Awuzie. You mentioned Saturday night. You're looking forward to coming yeah. here and going out to eat. Do you have a you have a place already picked out where you're going or not yet? Uh, okay, I do. And uh, at Drago's. Oh, yeah. Charbroiled. Oyster, uh, baby. Yes, that's where we're going, at least for appetizers. And good choice, good choice. And we'll see where the uh, uh, night takes us from there. But charbroiled oysters. I'm a big oyster person. I love jambalaya. I love I love Cajun food. That's why I'm so excited for Saturday night. I genuine Cajun food. Yeah, I say that a lot. Like we, there are times where, especially like the Pelicans, for instance, will yep. almost lose the stadium to opposing fans. Because it's it's just like if you're trying to find a road game, you're going to go to right. New Orleans is a place that people want to go, right? You know, I don't think that that's the case for a lot of a lot of teams. Like no one's dying to go to to East Rutherford, New Jersey, for example. Yeah. Although I'll go to the New New York City's right there, so you could that's probably a bad example. But I think New Orleans is probably a little bit easier on the budget. Yeah, yeah good bang for your buck. Um, yeah, great bang for your buck and great restaurants in terms of not being uh, overly expensive. If you go out in New York, you're going to drop 150, 200 bucks like that. <laughs> Easy, right? Well, so mm -hmm. I guess my question was more, 
do you expect Bengals fans to travel well yeah, for this game? For a number of reasons. The one you just mentioned, because New Orleans is a destination uh, in the bayou, great restaurants, uh, lots of gaming opportunities, lots of nightlife opportunities, um, and the LSU impact, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of uh, LSU fans became Bengal fans because of Jamar Chase, because of Joe Burrow, and even Thad Moss. I mean, there's there was a right. Tyler Shelvin. Um, there are a lot of LSU connections uh, or connections between LSU and the Bengals. And I think that will translate on Sunday to being a huge uh, impact in the Superdome. I would expect upwards of eight to 10,000 Bengal fans in the Superdome on Sunday, at least. Do Cincinnati fans have as much angst as Saints fans about the who dat versus who day? Okay. This is a sensitive subject to me. Yes. Okay. It's very sensitive. 1981. That's when it began for us. When did it begin for you guys? That's a great question, actually. I don't know that offhand. Because I am of the belief that who day came first, but who dat. That's always the, the debate, right? Which came first? I think who day did, but then again, I'm a Cincinnati native. <laughs> I went away. I covered the New England Patriots for 27 years. I came back in 2020. Great year last year. It was, you know, one of the most memorable years of my uh, journalistic career. I loved it. It was a fun sure. team to cover. But being back in Cincinnati, that is one of the things that has always kind of been like a burr under your cross, something like that. Burr yeah, under yeah. your And it's been like that for me. But hey, look, they're both great football bases. I really believe that. I know I saw a poll the other day saying that Bengal fans are among the worst fan bases in football. I don't believe that at all. I really don't. Um, I think that, Bengals fans would argue it's Falcons fans. <laughs> um, I could see that. And, and, and Atlanta, unfortunately, has that reputation across the board, across all sports. Now that the Braves are doing much better, the sure. Braves fans certainly show up. But I think the Bengal fans have been traveling well in the last year or so since the team got hot towards the end of last year, carried through the playoffs. They finally won a playoff game, won it at home. And then they traveled remarkably well, shockingly well to Tennessee and Kansas City. I was blown away. As a Cincinnati native, I'd never seen Bengal fans travel like that. They were they showed up in force at the Super Bowl. And uh, they've been showing up well on the road so far this year. But again, that's why for the Bengals, games like Sunday mean a lot more than, let's say, the Steelers. Who or the Patriots, who have all of those Super Bowl rings right. and are going to have that fan base for at least the next generation or two. The Bengals need to capitalize on their success of last year with a generational quarterback. And I think Bengal fans are nervous that they went to a Super Bowl and they've done this before two other times, and then they kind of fall off a cliff. And they don't want to see that happen with the quarterback and the opportunity and the window they have with guys like uh, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. 
Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, I think it's like whenever you get to the Super Bowl the way the Bengals did, and it seems so easy and so early in all of these star players' career, it's kind of like, do you remember the Oklahoma City Thunder with Kevin Durant back when they had James Harden and Russell Westbrook, and they got there, and they're like, oh, they didn't win. But don't worry, they got all these guys they are going to get back and they never did. That's kind of where I see that. And uh, I've done a quick kind of look over here to see who came up with the, the Houdat champers. <laughs> yeah. And I, I can't figure it out. But I do know the Houdat Nation is far more litigious when it comes to the copyright of it. I so, believe that. Yes, yes. Yeah, you, you can't. We had to be careful with the name of this podcast because we, we couldn't use anything like couldn't that. Use anything with Houdat in it. But um, kind of a, a pivot here kind of to a topic that I, I've had great interest in and you know i'm not a big fan of player comps i think they often just try to oversimplify with the fact that there are a lot of different types of players and everyone kind of does their own thing but the one that i've always found interesting is the joe burrow to tom brady comp and the reason for that is not anything to do with how they play is has everything to do with how they prepare and the fact that at an early point in their career they had like a genesis moment where everyone told them they weren't good enough and they they responded right. to that by being a crazy person and working harder than everybody else. For Tom Brady, it was the draft. He got passed over. He went 200 and something, whatever it was. For Joe Burrow, it happened at Ohio State. And they passed over him for Dwayne Haskins, who, you know, Dwayne Haskins was a great quarterback. So it's hard to, it's hard to blame them for doing that. But he went to LSU and he became this maniacal worker. And I think that more than anything else is what makes Tom Brady the great player that he is. And I think that's what makes Joe Burrow the great player that he is. And after watching him at at what he did at LSU, and I'm curious, you know, from what you've seen in the NFL, would you kind of agree with that? You know, how would you say that comparison uh, looks to you? Well, I've been very fortunate to have covered Tom Brady his first 20 years and now Joe Burrow um, his last year and a half. And I will tell you the similarities I see are in the competitiveness, uh, the preparedness. I think they're both equally uh, prepared and competitive. I think Joe Burrow is ahead of him physically uh, in terms of his physical maturity. He's bigger, he's stronger than uh, Brady was in year number three. And Brady, even though Brady had won the Super Bowl in 2001, he had not become Tom Brady, so to speak, until really late in the 2000s when he came back from the knee injury. Uh, He certainly quarterbacked three Super Bowl champions. I'm not saying that, but he hadn't become the world's um, sensation at quarterback until he got Randy Moss and Wes Welker and and things really changed then. And right now, Joe Burrow has those receivers. And that's what's fascinating to watch for me. I think what's happening with Joe Burrow, though, is Burrow is being challenged up front with what can he do? What should he do? Is he trying to force too much? And that's the difference I see. I think Tom Brady early in his career was able to make adjustments more quickly in games uh, to his style and his methods. Joe Burrow is a little, I think a little more stubborn than Tom Brady was. Um, And when you talk to scouts who watch both of these teams and you talk to uh, people who have seen both quarterbacks, they say, Tom Brady is willing and was willing to take those checkdowns I talked about a little while ago and say, well, if you're going to make us 
make us beat you with 15 plays on a drive. We'll beat you with 15 plays and we'll get up 21 to three because our defense is that good. And because every time we take a 15 play drive, our defense is resting. And I think Joe Burrow needs to look at it like that a little bit more grind out drives instead of thinking I've got to attack. I've got to feed Jamar and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd down the field, change that attitude, say, we're if that's what you're going to give us, we're going to take it. We're going to beat you. And Burrow has been saying that early on in the year, but his actions say something different. I think on Sunday, if the saints come out in that too high shell, which from what I understand, and you guys know better than I do is Unusual to say the least. The Saints don't play a lot of too high shell, especially with Lattimore, um, who usually travels with the best receiver. But he's pretty, he's banged up dealing with an abdominal injury and hasn't been practicing unfortunately for the Saints. Right. And if he doesn't play and they go to that too high shell, then Joe Burrow is going to have to put his money where his mouth is and start beating them with passes underneath and beat him with a thousand paper cuts you know that's what that's the difference I see between a Joe Burrow and Tom Brady but they're both incredibly intensely competitive they'll smile at you when you're face to face with them like in press conferences but away from the podium they have a different mindset they're both very intense yeah interested to see what uh, Joe Burrow's got in store for his attire for yeah, game day I know it's always are. interesting I I I would like to see a Florida Lee or two or three. I think that would be a nice touch. That would be. Nice. I'm expecting a lot of purple and gold for LSU stuff. Well, how about purple and gold Florida Lees? There you go. There you go. I think that would be awesome. Okay, and we're talking with Mike Petralia at Trags on Twitter. Check him out. The host of the Jungle Roar podcast and Bengals reporter at CLNS Media. One yeah. more question before yeah. I let you go. One of the things Joe said this week when he was asked about kind of Jamar and their relationship as they got to Cincinnati. He said that he had to kind of play translator yes. for Jamar because no one could understand him with the accent. And I'm curious, you know, did you have that problem when you when he talked to Jamar the first time? Not too much, but I think that's because I spent 27 years in New England with Jamar. Yeah. And, you know, Jamar Chase doesn't come out. It <laughs> comes out Jamar Chase or Lamar Jackson, yeah. and I can pick up on different accents pretty quickly, usually. Uh, and living in New England um, helped me with that. And so I would say I, I don't have that big of a problem. And Jamar, I will tell you, Jamar Chase is one of the more pleasant, genuine people I've been around in the locker room. He's incredibly approachable. He There is no air about him. Trey Hendrickson's intimidating. I will yeah. tell you that. He's, he is probably the more most intimidating presence in that locker room to approach as a reporter. And the other guy that I would tell you, it, it can be a little mercurial. How's that for a word? Is Eli Apple. Because I think Eli is very aware of his background. He's very aware of some of the struggles he's had in his past. Guarded, right. And I think he doesn't want to say too much. Well, well, that's because he knows if the longer he's, the more likely he's going to say something dumb. Well, to us, right? <laughs> he doesn't want to say something to us because he knows if he says something inflammatory, it's going to get broadcast immediately. Whereas if something happens with he or his mom on social media, I think he believes there's a little more control to it. I don't know. I'm just talking here. 
Yeah, definitely with Trey Hendrickson, I always found with him, you could tell he doesn't want to be talking to the media. And there was a lot of three, four word answers all the time from him. Uh, you know what? And and there have been those moments, but there was, has also been moments where he's been very thoughtful, okay. expansive. He's been very good after losses, you know, frustrated, but uh, very articulate and explaining, you know, what went wrong and how disappointed, you know, everybody is. You know, the defense has been playing great, Trey, but again, how frustrating is it to lose? And he's like, win as a team, lose as a team, and we're, that's never going to change about the culture in this locker room. It's never going to change. And I, th- those are the kind of words you, you hear from leaders that, you know, there's no – when players say there's no finger pointing and that's the sign of a good locker room, I believe that about this Bengal team. Even if they were to lose – I, there would be frustration, severe frustration, but I don't necessarily think guys would come out and start pointing fingers. Well, we're going to find out one way or the other if we're going to be hearing who day or who dad after the game, which one's louder. Thanks so much, Mike Petralia, at Trags on Twitter, host of the Jungle Roar podcast and Bengals reporter. Check out his stuff and you know we'll see you this weekend. It's going to be an interesting one. Guys, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure and I'm counting the hours and the minutes and the seconds to Saturday night's meal. Enjoy the oysters, oysters, my man. I am going to. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. That wraps up this week's edition of Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak gearing up for a big week six showdown. Cincinnati two and three coming to the Superdome against the Saints who are two and three. We've talked about all the big names, big matchup. Bengals, Saints, Andy Dalton against his old team. Should be a great one. Hopefully a positive post-game podcast will follow. We'll be talking to you more on Sunday after the game. Signing off, Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak here on the Inside Black and Gold podcast. Brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. Peace.